Welcome to the Johansson Baseball 2.0 podcast, where we dive deep into everything baseball player development. Johansson Baseball 2.0 is your ticket to learning about player development, recruiting, and everything in between. Hosted by Jake Scala and Ryan Johansson. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Ryan and I are joined by... Two special guests today. We got Ryan Fitzgerald with the Red Sox and Tyler Osick with the White Sox. Guys, how's it going? Doing well, good. Doing real well. Well, hey, hey guys, thanks for coming on. Um, you know, Tyler, I know uh, you're kind of um, you know towards the maybe a different perspective now. Um, you know, with uh, kind of not being currently playing at the at the moment. Ryan, obviously, you're. Uh, in the thick of it um, and doing some different things. So looking forward to having you guys on and kind of sharing um, those two perspectives as well. Um, Tyler, you were in uh, you were in Birmingham, right? Yes. But guys, for those of you guys who don't know, it's double A, um, still the Southern League. Uh, and um, Fitzy is with the Woo Sox in triple A. Um, what league is that, Fitzy? International. International League? Okay, cool. Um and, uh, you know, we've got Red Sox, White Sox. We've got lots of experience here. Um, the big kind of topic today is slumps. So we're kind of getting to the point of the season where um, I'm at least getting a lot of calls. And I know other people are, too, talking with other coaches where, like, you know, you have one bad tournament or one bad game. And all of a sudden, like, we start using the S word. Um, and to me, I always tell guys, like, slumps don't really exist. We kind of, like, talk ourselves into them, um, whether that means, like, we feel like we need to make a swing change or something's wrong with our mechanics, and we change that, and then that didn't work, so we change another thing. We still got a ton of self-doubt, so we change another thing. And, you know, by the end of it, you were two, three weeks later, and we don't even know who we are as a hitter anymore. And that's kind of, like, really when the slump, like, kind of starts, right? Um, so what are some strategies that, first of all, what, what's your take on like slumps? Is it something that you're just like, no, man, that's a thing. Like you're wrong. Like, like slumps are slumps. They're, they're just, they're dips that shouldn't happen. Nobody should ever slump. Um, or is it kind of like, yeah, it's the law of averages and we just got to, got to play the long season and, and, and let it work. What's, uh, Fitz, I'll, I'll turn it over to you first. Yeah, I think it's, it differs for, for where guys are at in their career. Um, you know, a guy like me that, wasn't drafted and has no financial investment in me. I don't really have the uh, length of uh, slump that some guys can have. Um, so I, I know, like, uh, you know, if you're a top draft pick, you can you can slump for three years in a row and you'll be just fine. Um, <laughs> but if you're, you know, coming out of indie ball, um, you know, you might get a month, maybe two if you're lucky. But um, year after year, you kind of build that, that, um, that pedigree um, that allows you then to uh, you know, have the slumps that are inevitable, they happen. Um, I think also there's a big difference between the slump as a, as a amateur player and then as a professional player. Um, you know, you know, you're going to play 150 games as a professional player. Um, so, you know, one week, two weeks, even, even a month, uh, doesn't define a, a season, um, you know, good or bad. You know, you could go off for a month and, um, you know, some guys will cash in after that. Um, and some guys can give up even after a slump in a month, but, uh, you just got to look at it in the macro. Um, that's something I've learned a lot. I mean, I learned, I learned a lot from you when you, you told me, you know, you just got to be right three out of 30 pitches. Um, that was what kind of 
um, got me thinking differently because, you know, it's always, oh, I got to be three out of 10 at bats. I got to be successful. Um, but it's really, you know, look at it pitch by pitch. Uh, if you can be successful three out of 30, uh, you're going to make a lot of money in this game. Awesome. Yeah, I think like the macro part of it's really hard for like young kids to kind of picture because it's tough when you get in the van and the car at home and like there's there's always like a fix for why maybe you didn't get a hit that day. Or a lot of the kids like I work with, like, I get frustrated with the parents and they're great, great intentions, right? Like great people, like great families. I love working with them. And like a kid goes three for four and it's like, okay, great. Like keep doing that. Like same approach, same everything. You can't get a hit every time. And it's like, oh, but that fourth at bat, you know, we struck out chasing the, chasing the pitch. We got to work on those curveballs. And it's like, yeah, but being aggressive and attacking pitch is why you got three hits earlier in the game. So like, why do I want to back off on that? Um, like trying to hit a thousand. So I think like exactly what you said, like understanding you're not going to hit a thousand and looking at it in the macro, um, I think is like really, really important. And like the earlier you can, you can do that. Um, in my opinion, um, I think it's going to going to can make a huge impact for like longevity, just like your your mental health, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. um, from that, so Tyler, uh, turn it over to you. Um, you know, I know you kind of struggled with some injuries. You had the wrist thing. You know, you, when you got into pro ball, you were just absolutely putting up monster numbers. Everybody knows you can you can hit. You got juice. You got adjustability. You can use the whole field. Um, you know, kind of when injury hits and there's context around it. What were some of the ways that you kind of got out of the mental um, the mental struggles of getting back to, like, who you are as a hitter? Yeah, I mean, I would say just that um, a lot of it, like, when I was at UCF, I started really diving into the mental game because our head coach at the time, Greg Lovelady, that was, like, one of, like, the pillars of the program there. And so every week we would have kind of mental game meetings, uh, different chapters uh, from Heads Up Baseball 2.0. We would all kind of just, just go over it and try and relate it to – what we've had in our career, what happened to us, how we can move forward, improve on that. And I kind of really just broke it down into like, this is the perspective that I took moving forward just with, with my game and career and stuff was that really all that matters is this pitch. And it's really hard to do at times when you look up at the scoreboard and your, your numbers aren't where they are at. But the only way that like your, your best version of yourself is going to be competing in the present moment as, as consistently as you can. And that's kind of what happened with me is like, I remember when I got to Kannapolis in 2019 and you were, you were coaching with us. I remember I started off over 15 and I, and it stinks walking up to the scoreboard and you look up and it's zero, zero, zero. And you want to show your teammates, the coaches, whatever that you could play. But I just remember I, I literally like walking up to the plate sometimes and I'd be like, the only way I'm going to get out of this is, is competing one pitch at a time. So I'd like take a pitch. Maybe I swung at a slider in the dirt, do a little reset look up at look up at my bat and then be like all right let's win this pitch now let's win this pitch and like if you do that over a long period of time you're going to look up and your numbers will be where they are supposed to be and you know it's it's natural as a human to look at all the uncontrollable things um you know maybe i didn't do the best of that sometimes but that's what I, moving on and if i go into the coaching route that's what i'm going to try and push onto my players is is just just control what you control focus on the work and compete one pitch out of a time. And that's going to help you not slump severely. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So a really uh, kind of just uh, funny Tyler Rosick story. Uh, I, I'm going to tell two of them, Tyler, hope I don't embarrass you. Um, yeah. 
The the first one's a good one, definitely not embarrassing. I actually saw Tyler Pitt for the very first time in the cage, um, you know, drafted in 2019, uh, comes to low A in Kannapolis, and I see him hitting the cage, and um, the hitting coach at the time was Cole Armstrong, and we were both like, man, like, we really like this guy's swing, like, there's something there, like, the ingredients are like, like, there was intent, there was control, like, there was just a lot of, a lot of really good things, um, and uh my youngest daughter was actually being born the first time i think you got to start um and i was in the hospital like tracking the game and i saw that you went over four and i like remember texting cole and being like oh sick over four like what happened and he was like no bro like loud outs man like lenias like just absolute like nukes um just like right at guys so just kind of like some bad luck too um and we were like yeah he's gonna be fine like this kid's gonna rake and then sure enough you know he put up uh he ended up you know from a sabermetric standpoint and, and all that stuff really really putting together not only good approach numbers, but good batted ball data um, that kind of, you know, obviously made his way up to double A and, um, and did some things there too. Um, so anyways, that's the first story. The second story is from like a just this pitch moment. Um, Tyler broke his bat early in the game and uh, <laughs> he goes back to the dugout. I think he, I don't, you know, I think it was like a fly out to left or whatever. And our manager's like, you know, again, Cole Armstrong, uh, <laughs> He's like, hey, Cole, like, don't let him, don't let him go back up and like use that bat. Like, he's he might pick it up out of the out of the thing. He's like, no, no, it's fine. He won't. And so I'm at uh, I'm at coaching first base, um, and all of a sudden, I like it's like a full count, and I think he's like fouled off some pitches at this point. And, like, he's got like a fully broken bat. Like, it's like splintered, like kind of bad. And all of a sudden, he like takes a big deep breath, and he's like probably doing something metal, you know, and maybe you can share like kind of what your process was on that in terms of like just this pitch. And all of a sudden he looks at it and he like cocks his head and he was up there in a full count after following off like two or three pitches with a broken bat. And we were like, Oh, well that's, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was like met, like locked in mentally or unlocked in. Uh, what, what do you got? <laughs> like, like, I don't bring a broken bat up to, uh, to, to go compete with. And like, then he, then he walks back to the dugout, gets a clean one. And I think he got, got a hit or something. It was like, yeah, it, it, it's helpful when you're, your bat works <laughs> uh, yeah no i literally had no clue it was broken um and then i just saw the little crack in it and then I, that's when i had to walk so it's like i'm get a different one but, yeah the, the, the crack was not little under further review uh yeah. but, but, that, but that's okay um so all right cool well hey jake i know um you know at wheaton this past year kind of so there was some hype and there was some pressure some things going on with some guys maybe some slow starts you guys still ended up having a really good offensive year what were some of the things that some of the college guys went through or that helped them um kind of like stay stay sane so to speak maybe through like a slower start um you know that ended up still uh you know with a pretty productive year um honestly it was just a lot of small conversations throughout the day um a lot of just reminding guys um kind of echoing what tyler and and fitzy said just kind of reminding them like hey like you might have gone 0 for 4 today, but you hit like four absolute nukes to the warning track that just got caught. Like you're you're in a good place and just kind of reminding these guys like you're dudes, you hit the ball hard even when you're getting out. Um, you know, sometimes you're striking out, but that's just baseball. But overall, you're having good at bats, you're having good at pro- approaches, you're picking pitch, yeah, picking good pitches to swing at and you're barreling them. You're just barrel them right at guys and like eventually like that's gonna fall unfortunately you know in college you only play 40 games so you don't have that 150 games to extrapolate and get that good luck back but 
you know, I think the biggest thing was just like those small conversations throughout the day. Like, Hey man, like you're in a good place. Like you're, you're fine. You're going to be fine. We just got to ride this out and kind of relax a little bit. Cause now you're getting more tense every time you get out and you know, you've got all these expectations on you to hit X amount of home runs or X amount of, you know, extra base hits and, you know, every passing game that you don't get one, you're like, oh, I got to double down and hit two more next game, and then it's four more, and then, you know, you can spiral pretty quickly there. Um, but just a lot of small conversations reminding guys like, hey, even though the stats aren't showing it right now, you're still a dude, we still believe in you, and you still got a chance to have a great season. Like, we're only, you know, seven games in at this point or ten games in. Um but yeah, that's kind of, kind of the bulk of what we did. Um, just kind of trying to get guys' minds off it so they can kind of get back to doing what they do best. And I think it's like important, like you mentioned, like how many games in you are, like, you know, and Tyler, you mentioned like the, the 0 for 15, um, or whatever it was like batting average doesn't stabilize like until 600 ABs. So like there's like, if you're getting big swings in your batting average, it's just not a stable stat. It's part of why it's not the best stat to kind of look at. Um, but unfortunately like the game changer world, you don't get a lot of, um, a lot of good data there, which is part of why, you know, we're going to have the hitting approach app and some other stuff coming out from like our remote standpoint and our engine guys. Um, but moving on, uh, Ryan, I'm going to direct this to you first. Um, there's what I learned, um, you know, just building off of what Jake was talking about, uh, just kind of being, being with like elite performers who really want to feel like they've got control over their success and their performance. There are times when there's not really a swing change needed, but like, you feel like you need something. You're like, I need somebody to give me something to get me over the hump. Um, what are some of those things that, you know, you found like how do you how do you keep yourself off of that so we're again we're not making unnecessary changes um and like what what did that feel like as a player and how do you kind of manage that yeah i mean well my first thing to do is text you um, <laughs> usually help me out there but uh yeah i think just over the years it's gotten better i think you probably test that too i think uh you know when i first met you i think i called you in 21 or something and i was like telling you how i wanted to just leave the organization and you know i wanted this this and that like it's unfair to me whatever um you talk me off the ledge there um you guys hear me yeah mm-hmm. um so then 2022 came around um i remember texting you i think we we're playing the white Sox actually and i was like man my bat feels horrible it feels like a bow door and uh you, you were like, well, you can still hit with a bolt, a bodor. I was like, yeah, you can still hit with a bodor. Uh, I ended up going like three for four that night, like a double, a homer, a single, or whatever. Texted you, I was like, yeah, yeah, I had a home run with the bodor. Um, but yeah, I mean, on a more serious note, um, something that like really changed my career was like figuring out that baseball is not who I am; it's just what I do, um, and I've done everything to prepare. Um, so if, you know, I can lay my head on the pillow at night and, and, uh, have a good sleep, whether I go four for four or oh for four, um, just knowing that I did everything I could anyways, um, there's nothing I would do differently. Um, obviously, you know, you don't want to chase pitches and get yourself out, but that stuff's going to happen. Um, but I knew I had the right intent going into the day. Um, and then, cause if you let that stuff linger, I mean, your nervous system gets shot and then, you know, your, 
your mental gets shot. Um, and that just starts spiraling out of control. Um, but yeah, like when, when my body is shot, that's when my eyes kind of take over and I kind of fall back to what I was always good at. Um, you know, seeing pitches and being able to just barrel balls up, whether or not I got my A swing or my C swing. Um, I know I can always fall back to that. Um, so kind of having like a lot of tools in the toolbox is, is a big key. Yeah, that's no, uh, definitely well said. I mean, um, like having options, right? And and that's not even options in like how you feel, but what kind, what type of picture you're going to see, and just having like a game plan of what your what your daily success is. Um, and like I think you were the one who, who brought this up to me, Fitzy. Is like, how are you comfortable failing today? Like, what are you going to like, what's your approach going to be? And if you fail a certain way, like you're fine with it. Like you're not going to try to hit a thousand. You know that there's maybe some risk versus reward, but you're comfortable with what the risk is in order to try to gain the reward. Can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, something that changed for me back in 2019 when we talked about it, when I first met you, was just kind of having a, a pull-side mentality, um, trying to hit balls in the air pull-side pretty much every time, at least having that intent. Um, and, you know, if I if, – I think I led AAA last year in pull percentage, which I was, like, totally fine with. And I know I rolled over a lot, but, like – if I don't have that mentality, like, yeah, I don't roll over as much, but I also don't hit as many home runs and doubles as I did. So like, I'm totally okay with, with failing in the direction that will lead to more home runs, more doubles and more balls in the air. Pull side. Like, if I fly out to the warning track four times, like, cool. Like I did what I wanted to do. Um, you know, there's a guy we had on our team. I won't mention his name. Maybe, maybe you guys can figure it out, but, uh, Get a a seventy percent swing rate in two straight counts, and he's hitting like three fifty. Um, this guy had been in the big leagues for a long time, and he's uh, I think he's a free agent right now. But anyways, he uh, he swings like all the time, and like I was like, yeah, like if this guy like just could control the zone like a little bit more, like he would be in the big leagues and making a lot of money right now. Um, but then I was talking to one of my teammates, and we're like, but if he does do that, like he probably doesn't hit three fifty that. So, like, he's cool with, like, breaking his bats, you know, swinging at pitches way out of the zone because he knows that's going to lead um, to the hits that he does get. So, like, it's it's a, kind of a double-edged sword. It's like, yeah, well, if you, you know, control the zone, it's like maybe you walk a little more, but you're not going to get as many hits. Um, so, you know, it's, it's something you always said to me, too, is, you know, at what cost? Like, when you're making a change in anything, you got to ask yourself at what cost. And um, as long as you're okay with the cost or – um, you're okay with the intent that you have and you're going to fail with that intent, then, then you just got to ride that, ride that till the wheels fall off. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's, that's something that's really hard for, I think, youth players to understand. That's why I wanted you to kind of talk about it and like make it tangible is um, like, I always tell guys the most important thing is like, let's have some success and like fun right now. Like if you're 13, 12, whatever, like your most important season is right now. Um, like you gotta have fun. You gotta want to keep playing. But my job is in player development is to plan for the future too. And so I need to be able to, if that's my primary goal, my secondary goal is to add tools to the toolbox that are going to help scale for the following year. Like that's the immediate need. And then also like, I don't know if they're going to want to play college baseball. I don't know if they're going to want to play varsity baseball or pro like professional baseball, but there's like really easy ways to train for the tools that are required and the thresholds that are required for that. But there just doesn't make sense not to like bat speed, um, you know, 
different mechanical ideas like challenging their timing and their uh like loading mechanism giving them like variability in their movements like all kinds of stuff like that that's not just this like rigid hey hit the same way off the tee so to speak um from there so Tyler, i'm gonna kind of shift back over to you um you and i have had a lot of conversation well siri wanted to join our conversation sorry about that um but uh Tyler, shifting back over to you, um, you and I have had a lot of conversations about this. Your dad uh, is one of the, the you know most well-respected college coaches in the country. You know he's done a ton with baseball. Um, you've obviously learned a lot under his tutelage. Um, for as young as you are, you probably have a little bit more old-school baseball mindset, just being around so many baseball guys. Because um, your dad was with the Pirates, right? So like former big leaguer um, stuff like that. Is that that is that correct? Yeah, yeah, he he uh, yeah. played with the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, Milwaukee Brewers, and Washington Nationals, and now he's just been coaching college ever since. You know, yeah, yeah, no, really well respected guy. Knows a ton about the game. Um, you know, that's part of why like you were able to transition to that catching role too, because you, you know so much about the game and things like that. Um, but kind of this past off season, getting back to what you did in nineteen, you come in, you show up in nineteen, and I remember in terms of like we t- we had a conversation about like what professional batting practices. Yeah, it was like dude, just like just be you, man. Like if you're if you're professional batting practice, it's like dude, you just got drafted. Like 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 hit hit pull. Like I think it was uh, like gap homers, pull gap homers. It was it might have been the conversation right before you like hit two or three in Delmarva. Um, and then we kind of like went up levels, and it was like, oh man, there's maybe like some hype around me. Like I got to do it all. And then this past season, that's kind of when like you wanted to kind of go back to your more. Um, you know, different loading mechanism. You want to work on bat speed in the off season. Walk us through kind of like just where, where your head's at in terms of managing like the damage and adjustability trade-offs. Yeah. I was literally just about to, <laughs> when uh, Fitzy was talking, I was about to ask him how he kind of did it with just, um, cause like me and him were both in similar boats on uh, you know, signing bonus and investment in our careers from the organization standpoint. So like I never got to that point as a player in professional baseball where I was free just to um just to say I, i'm going for freaking homers doubles pull side like screw it because i was always trying to stay in the lineup and like just like just like you were saying like risk versus reward i remember when i was at ucf and and, it, and it's just like you're truly free just to um to you know just go out there and play because you know you're going to be in that lineup it actually does give you a lot more freedom where you're not worried so much to trying to be perfect and I think a lot of times in my minor league career that I was trying to be perfect. Like I need to get two hits today by any means so I could stay in the lineup or that just because of, you know, how it is as a senior sign or whatever. And I, and looking back, I wish that I did, did do that differently where it was like more so just like, screw it. I'm going for this. If I don't get any hits today, hopefully it happens next time. But um, yeah, I just think that it's, I think 2019 was the year that I did do that most where I was trying to just do damage and, and look for extra base hits and that stuff. And I, I'd say that was probably one of my best years, but I just felt, you know, as you climb up the ladder and you get to different levels, the pyramid gets smaller and smaller and what you have to do as um, a senior sign type player, you do have to put something in the box score, but I think the way that Fitzy did, did it is probably the better way to, to go about it because, you know, hitting base hits the other way doesn't really create much value for you as a player opposed to if you're looking to do damage more consistently and it's all it's all dependent on your on your situation you know what i mean like you just got to be here be the best possible you but 
Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. And I think, like, you know, that's – for youth players, it's not am I going to be in the lineup. It's like, oh, am I going to get dropped in the order? Like, And I remember that was, like, the end-all, be-all. If you get dropped in the order, you're like, oh, man, like, I like how, how – why did I get dropped? So that's something I try to, like, convince players of, too, is, like, dude, there's going to come a day where, like, you're just happy to be in the lineup. Like, it doesn't matter where you hit. And, like, there's also going to be a day where, like, oh, sick, I'm hitting eighth. I'm going to get a lot of fastballs. Like, awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, from, from that perspective, uh, you know, trying to convince players that like the only time that they're ever going to write their last name lineup is if they coach their kids and yeah. worrying about where, where you hit and where that is, like, you just got to go up and, you know, try to try to help your team win. And if, and in a lot of cases, especially at the youth levels, like, like that is trying to like attack, because if we try to take some off at the youth levels, we're taking way more off than what we should be. Like players truly don't know how to sell out. And so when they try to sell out, they're actually still way more adjustable, if not more adjustable in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, but if they swing and miss at one, it's like, don't pull your head, da da da. And it's like, no, man, that was just a change up down. Like we didn't actually like, it wasn't like a mechanical thing. Um, yeah. And I still remember, I remember actually a time in Delmarva where this is, it's kind of a funny story. And it's just like, it's just generational based, just, off of how you were taught the game and like my dad has had a lot of success as a player because he kind of did this but i remember that maybe i was figuring out that at the speed of the game that i was at my most success was going to come from in essentially way selling out guessing hoping i get the right pitch and then that's my chance so i remember we were actually playing in delmarva and it's just funny because it i was 22 years old at this time but like i was like uh i literally like swinging a slider in the dirt and i just like he's standing over the first base dugout and he's pointing right field right field right field and like and i just like shake my head thinking my head like i'm not gonna try and hit this ball to right field but then i just literally got a hanging change up and hit it out towards left center and i just told him after the game i was like it's too fast right now like the velo and the spin and all this stuff is moving where if i just try and lay something the other way it's not gonna work like for me this that, that was just for me though and uh but i guess it's person to person you know yeah definitely um I guess too, like, you know, you guys are both kind of talking about pulling the ball and some of the benefits from it. Um, growing up, like, I think we're all taught like opposite fields, the Holy grail, um, maybe, you know, in today's world, it's a little different. It actually might be like, almost like, you know, overdone, like the pull, pull side tanks might be overdone at the youth levels. And I think what happened was that the whole get on top, see it deep, you know, movement for so long. And then the age of information and social media and all that stuff, everybody's trying to like, we're trying to get long line drives to the middle with enough juice and enough damage to the pull side, like controlling our posture, all the good things that come from, from that. Right. Like it's not what this podcast is about, so I won't go into it. Um, but now it's like, you know, you get young coaches who see this on Twitter or the internet and it's like, Oh yeah. Like you have to just, oh, if, you, if you go opposite field at all, like what are you doing? Like you have to pull side tanks. And it's like, that's nah, not it. Like we're really trying to have like a ton of play coverage, a ton of adjustability. And like when we get a barrel and we catch it at the right point, like, yeah, I do want to hit 20 homers. Yeah. Um, but what uh, what kind of like like at what point in your careers was that did you feel and I'm just gonna quote you Fitzy like did you feel like you had like permission to like pull the baseball and like go and like be on the attack and be on offense and not on defense because I think a lot of youth players probably need to hear like the earlier you can think of hitting as an offensive an offensive game an offensive situation um, the better you're like the more you're probably gonna play longer. Um, versus being up there and like just trying to make contact because we teach kids in America not to strike out and in the Dominican, you know, they're trying to hit the ball off the island. Um, 
So, uh, what do you guys got on that? Yeah, um, I mean, kind of, kind of goes back to you again, Joe. Um, 2019, when you showed me my my true media stuff, and because you asked me, you know, when do you when do you feel like you you hit your best? So I was like, well, with runners in scoring position, and we looked it up, and sure enough, that was the case. And then you're like, well, what are you trying to do? I was like, well, I'm trying to pull the ball because if I miss it, like at least I move the runner. But if I don't, like I'm scoring them, or I'm standing on second, or a home run. Um, so you were the one that really kind of opened my eyes to it, and then kind of gave me that permission because um, you know. Like like Tyler was saying, like you're trying to survive in pro ball, especially when you're not a high draft pick. Um, you're trying to just get hits to stay in the lineup. Um, but once you opened my eyes to that, we started, you know, getting on the right training program. Um, that was when it was like, okay, like if I'm if I'm going to stay in this game, like I'm going to have to hit for some power um, and and be willing to die on my own sword. Um, and that's kind of what it came to was, you know, I got nothing left left to lose. Um, no one expects anything on me. I got no expectations. Um, so that was, that was kind of, I guess, a liberating feeling and, and time for me once you kind of opened my eyes to that. I, like no, that. I, think, I think that could have totally gone the other way too. Like if it was whatever that approach was going to be with your best numbers, it could have been anything. So, um, that, that pull side mentality might not work for everybody. I think, I think there's a lot of good things from trying to pull the baseball. And if you maintain posture, you're going to go the other way and you're going to have play coverage. Um, again, that's a conversation for another day, but yeah, that, that conversation could have gone any which way. I had no idea where it was going to go. Um, but yeah, I, I remember that distinctly, like, wow, this is very different. You're way better in this case. And you're like, oh yeah, it's a totally different approach. <laughs> I was like, well, let's do that. That seems like your A approach. Like, um, yeah, I think yeah. I'm a little naive to it though, too. Like I, I, you know, I say, oh, I'll just pull the ball, but I looked the other way for so long and saw the ball deep and tried to hit, you know, the low line drive so much that like barrel accuracy went up because of it. And then once you realize that you can pull the ball and you're allowed to pull the ball, like you're not going to lose what you're good at. I think a lot of guys, like, especially when they go into a slump, they like, they lose what they're good at. Like they completely forget what, what they're good at. Um, and that's uh, that's that's when it really spirals. Like you know, one game, two games, one week, whatever it is. Like you can't let that. You can't let your swing get away from you. Once you feel your swing and you know your swing, like it's it's never going away. Like it might go away for a little bit, but it's never going to fully go away. Yeah, no, I I think that's I 100% like agree with you, especially with like perception and all that other stuff. Like there's what we think about muscle memory and like motor learning and like what I was taught about like doing reps or developing bad habits. Like it's just not how the brain operates, um, which is a whole nother rabbit hole we could go down. But yeah, it's like people think if they do one specific drill or if they do whatever, like, oh, no, now I'm going to do this. It's like, no, it's not the case. Um, so Tyler, taking it back over to you, like if you could tell yourself – Let's say, like, healthy wrist coming back into the beginning of this season, like, looking back, former player, um, kind of like how it shook out. Would you – do you think you would try to chase more of those uh, – like, do you think you would – instead of trying to just, like, stay in the lineup through hits, do you think you would try to, like, have be a little bit um, more risk-adverse and say, like, hey, like, I'm only going to – you know, maybe I'm only going to play a certain amount of days anyways – so in the days I get in, I need to make sure I do damage or, um, you know, would like, what would you tell yourself at the beginning of spring training 2023? Yeah. I mean, I think if I go back to the beginning of spring training 2023, I probably would have done that. Um, like just for like when I get in my accounts, when I, when I would get into a good count, 
if I was 3-1, 2-0, it should have been to try and just be on time and deposit it into the bullpen, pull like it to the left center field gap, opposed to like maybe just trying to get a hit. And I remember that's kind of, I remember back when I was at Chipola in my junior college year, like I hit for, I hit for high average, but not as many home runs and kind of like what Fitzy's saying, you figure out as you're just evaluating like the other players that are maybe either getting drafted, going to the best schools, you kind of realize that those guys do hit for power and they drive the baseball. So you realize, all right, well, if I would have on these, these counts, kind of like what you're saying, like through the course of a season, if I execute on a three, one, three, Oh, whatever, 25 to 30 times, whether that's a double or a home run in a college season, it's a pr- pretty dang good year. And now you bring that over into pro baseball and you just execute on those counts and you get your A swing off on a, on the best pitch that you get, then you'll wind up having your numbers. So I think that's kind of, if I look back, I could probably say there was like four or five pitches this year, even though I, was a, I only got 60 at-bats before my career ended, but like four or five pitches that I could have, maybe if I executed on those more, and it put four balls into the stands, it, it shakes out a little differently. So I definitely, I think it's all, if you get in your counts, you got to execute and you got to be ready to put a good swing on a pitch, you know? Yeah, definitely. So um, I, this will kind of be our last question, then, then we'll wrap it up. Um, I want to talk about recency bias in baseball. So we kind of talked a little bit about it in, like, the van in the car ride home. Like, oh, man, you know, you went three for four, but that last step bat, and all of a sudden, like, that's the main focus. Um, and we're talking about like, you know, you talked about the three for 50, um, you know, you talked about win this pitch, Tyler, it's, it's really hard to go home, put your head in the pillow at night after an over four day and like want to replay some of those at bats, especially if you like just miss one, right. Or maybe the umpire rings you up and it's a bad call and you like want it back. And like that frustration starts to stew. Um, and it's like the last thing that's in your head. How do you guys eliminate recency bias? either A, to evaluate yourself as a player because it's you're just going off of, like, too low of a sample size if it's the last two at-bats. Because a lot of times, like, these guys will come in and be like, oh, dude, man, all I'm doing is popping things up. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're hitting 450 at, you know, whatever age. And, you know, they're like, what do you, what do you mean all you're doing? Obviously, you're not. Oh, it's not all you're doing. It's like, oh, it's just the last two at-bats. Like, well, that's not – we don't need to, like, make a change then. Like, what are we talking about here? Um, like, how do you guys keep yourself – because, you know, you said, like, hey, like, remember what you're good at, right? Do what you're good at. Um, what are some of the mental strategies like post game that help you guys flush? Um, I don't really care who goes first, whoever's got kind of a answer on hand. You want to go Tyler? Uh, you, you go. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, after the game, again, I've gotten a lot better at this than I used to. I used to get the guy to, you know, throw around and, and get angry off. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it kind of goes back to what I said earlier. Um, just knowing that baseball is not not who I am. Um, it's just what I do. Um, I'm still, you know, a good brother, a good teammate, a good son, good friend. Um, those are things that matter. I know that sounds very cliche and like cheesy, but um, baseball is not going to be, you know, in my life forever. I know that, and you know, I'm not always going to be a baseball player. Um, so, like when I, like I said, when I go 0 for four, I go four for four. It's it's honestly the same feeling um yeah it's great when you're doing well um you know and it, when you're when you're in an org whether they don't care whether you do well or you do bad anyways you know they're they're either gonna tell you oh you know we're, we're waiting for him to mess up or you know when he is messing up it's oh we knew he would so um, either way it's like the expectations on me are are the same um from the outside um and the expectations for myself 
Um, you know, no one can expect more of me than me. Uh, but like I said, I, I've put in the training. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of guys in the off season that like don't don't take it seriously, and they really think they're working hard and they're doing the right things. And like, it's like yeah, they kind of are. And there's guys that you know have talent that can get away with it, and not have to do much. Um, but like, I'm not really gifted in any way. Um, you know, I'm just just your average white guy that uh, you know trains six days a week in the off season, like. <laughs> So just so I can compete, um, you know, in season. So like, I know I've done the work and I know I've done the right work too. Cause you know, you'll get kids and, and even pro guys that'll, Oh, I took my hundred swings off the tee today. It's like, well, sick. What did that get you? Like I could have taken, you know, five swings off the machine and gotten better than your hundred swings off the tee. Um, so I feel like I've done the right work, um, and probably, you know, spent less time training than some other guys, but, um, really optimize the training that I've done in the off season. And then in season, it's like, well, you know, you're just going to let it play. Um, there's nothing that you're going to be able to change about it. Um, so that, that way it's like, I, I don't have any, any emotion really towards the outcome um, when I've already completed the process. That's a, that's a great point. The, the best high school players I'm working with right now, when I ask them like, what do you want to talk about today? They're like, same stuff. Like they want to go through the off season program and there might be a small tweak. Maybe there's a mental thing. Maybe there's like something, a little nuance that we're going to add. But the most successful guys were like, yeah, man, same stuff. Even on days that were like over four or, or whatever, they wanted to stick to that routine because they trusted, they trusted that work. And I, I think at the travel level, like, you start driving around to basketball tournaments, which is totally fine. Like, I, yeah, I'm not going to try to say everyone should just only play baseball, do whatever. But you start driving around to basketball tournaments. Maybe you have a strength conditioning group that you do once a week, but you like, you know, all of a sudden the holidays come, you're missing Thanksgiving, you miss two weeks over Christmas, you know, January practices start, you know, you stop doing maybe a pitching lesson because you're throwing in, in, uh, in practice, but you're just really kind of throwing pens. And there's so much time that's taken up in activity there's not really a lot of like development really going on and it feels like you're doing a lot. It feels like you're busy. It feels like you put the work in, but you didn't do any of the right things and it ends up being a waste of time. And all of a sudden you're 15, 16 coming to our place and you're like, dude, what do I got to do to play in college? And you're like, dude, you like, you're, you're behind the eight ball. Like, yeah. I, have, I have kids that are younger than you to swing heavier bats faster mm-hmm. that are smaller and weaker. And you know, they're more mentally mature as well from like an approach standpoint, all those other things, because they, they've done it like they've done those things and that's a hard it's a hard sell because in today's world like it is expensive to train that often especially as a kid like for what purpose like to get a couple hits in the weekend if you don't want to play you know college baseball or pro baseball like how many people actually go like six percent playing college you know one percent play in the in the pros like for what for what at what cost um so i think there's like that fomo aspect but you can't have both you can't have like you can't have like, oh no, it'll be fine, and then panic in the season. Like it's got to be, you have to be self aware enough to know, like, hey, we invested our time in basketball, we invested our time in like going on family trips, we invested our time in family. That's great, that's awesome. I'm not against that at all. When the season comes, it's like, oh man, like I don't know why it's not getting hits. Like, <laughs> like you have to, you know what I mean? Like, there's just like a self awareness there, and I think, I think that would help kids a lot too. Like, hey, this is our playbook as as a family. Like, we're not just we're not going to invest in that. If you want to do it on your own let it like let us know and we'll put the resources in the time in, and we'll try to restructure our schedule but as of now like this is our playbook like we're yeah. we're not going all out at 12 U, um because we don't know what you want to do and, and hopefully we'll surround you with enough mentors and enough people but um I, I think that would like make travel ball so much better too because rec ball would come back and yeah 
we yeah. have so many players that like have really good rec seasons because of all those D players and D teams and C teams that really have no business, you know, flying to Georgia and, and getting slaughtered 17 to two, three games in a row and flying back home. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I think that's, that's a huge part of it too. Um, I'll get off with some thoughts on that. Um, Tyler, what, what do you got in the last question? So we're talking about recency bias and like getting out of your head. Like, like when you put your head in the pillow, like it's been a tough day. Uh, especially like for you too, like you changed positions. You, you played out of position as, as a catcher. Maybe there's some pass balls or some things going on. So not just like hitting wise, but how do we put our head in the pillow at the end of the night and be like ready to go for the next day? Like with, with some of those challenges. Cause the context is like, yeah, I'm transitioning to catching at the highest level. This is challenging. This is hard. And then also I have to catch pens for eight hours a day. So from a work perspective, I'm not getting my hitting in. Um, yeah. You know, from that. Yeah. I would just say it's just, um, Kind of similar to like what Fitzy says is when you like prepare and you try your best in the off season or before the game, whatever you're preparing, it, it's a freeing feeling. Like I remember, um, like similar to him, I actually like in college, I would throw my helmet, potentially get mad in the dugout, stuff like that. That's one thing I could say in my pro career, I never threw a helmet or smashed my bat a single time because I just knew that when I, whatever I did, whether it was good or bad, like I was okay with it just because of the work that I put in beforehand. And, uh, I was fine with it. And it's just like, that's just how it is. And that's what I became. And, um, I just think that when I have a kid, that is one thing that I'm going to try and really push on to him just because I know at the youth level, I've been there before just where it's like, you know, you see parents or whatever, they put so much pressure on performance and results at a young age. And I think that that can hinder a player. Because when when I have my son or a kid, I'm definitely going to just we're just going to be really focused on just whatever we can do to prepare. And whether whether he does good or bad, like I'm going to be removed from the results from that and just let them know that it's okay. And I just want them to play just because they love it. And if they don't love it, then it's all good. You don't have to play. Go do whatever you want. But I think at the youth level, a lot of times it's we're kind of putting we're putting like a like uh, breaks on, on some kids' careers just because they literally are focused on not messing up opposed to being free. And I think that that's something that I'm going to look forward to changing. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. And I think, like, again, our culture, like, lets kids know what's bad way more than we let kids know what's good. And so you're exactly right. They try, they try to not mess up instead of go do something really cool. And, you know, you're going to mess up regardless in this game because it's a really hard game. So you just kind of don't you end up not doing anything really cool and like sometimes not messing up and like being just like skating by. Um, yeah. And like, well, and, and just so I work with some kids uh, remotely on hitting and stuff. And and what I've noticed is they'll, they'll reach out about how they're doing at tournaments. And some kid recently reached out to me and said, I went two for X at perfect game tournament. Do my perfect game stats matter? And I just responded. I was like, I promise you, they do not matter. You can, in all reality, not even start taking baseball serious until you're in college and still have a successful, lengthy career. I promise you, it's not too late because I did it. You know, I didn't really know if I wanted to even play serious till after my freshman year of college. So then I know that if, if you're, you're going to have a delayed, you're definitely going to have a delayed result on when you start getting good, but it's not too late and your results don't matter at that age, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, the last thing I'll say is I took my daughter golfing for the very first time. We went to like an indoor simulator place where, like, you know, at least the screen would make it look a little cooler um, than her, like, you know, 50-yard 50 50 yard drive, 25-yard drive, 30-yard drive looks way cooler on a screen than it does in real life. Um, and uh, 
the best thing I saw her do was like take a breath after she like shanked one. And then she like stepped out, she took a breath, like got back in, was ready to tee up another ball. Like the only thing I praised her for the whole day. And after I saw that was like how she handled that. It was like, Hey, Ollie, the best thing that you did, that was awesome. How you took that breath, how you managed your emotions there, how you were able to calm yourself down and like step out. That was awesome. And whatever we praise is what will be repeated. Right. And so if we're, if we praise, you know, if I were to praise her for her awesome drive and be like, wow, you're so good. This is great. You're the best. Whenever that doesn't happen. Now she's going to think like, she's not the best. Oh, I'm not good anymore. Oh, I'm not good at this. As opposed to like, Oh, like it doesn't matter if I hit it straight or whatever. Like the best thing I can do is breathe and then, you know, whatever happens. Um, so I think like taking back like the process stuff and fifth, you're talking about it, like, are you putting the work in? Like, are you hitting enough? Um, are you, are you, do you know that like you, you matter outside of baseball? Um, and you know that like you can deploy patience and, you know, Tyler, you're talking about like you can deploy patience and like execute this later. Um, and you can go from there. So, uh, I really appreciate having you guys on. Um, Fitzy, we got, uh, we got the most way plus they were tonight, huh? Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, the, was it the Latin day or whatever, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got some crazy uniforms on Sunday too. We got like the old timer hat with like little mini stripes or like the circular stripes on the hat. So it should be fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. Well, hey Tyler, I know you like work with some guys. Fitzy, I know you've got some stuff going on social media wise. Um, you guys want to share like your Instagram handles? Yeah, sure. Uh, mine's right, right. This guy everywhere: TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Yeah, and mine's just my name. On uh, Instagram and then my on Twitter, it's at Osik Tyler. There you go. So we got the regular name on Instagram. We got the backwards name on uh, on Twitter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. Hey guys, uh, I really appreciate your time. Fifty. Good luck tonight. Um, Thank you. And uh, Tyler, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Um, appreciate it. Catch yeah, you thanks, boys later. Man, that was fun. Yeah. Thank yeah, you no guys. We'll have you guys back on. See you. For more information or to train with the Johansson baseball team, follow along with Johansson baseball on all major social media platforms or by visiting their website at johanssonbaseball.com.